to episode 152 of In The Roof Podcast. I'm Peter Shepherd. I'm Callum Reid. And we're just on our own this week. We are, yeah. Arini not here this week. Um, Much like the Greek economy. <laughs> Sorry, that was just... <laughs> well, that was just the quickest punchline ever. Yeah, it's Is that what you're aiming for? No, no. It's almost as if we planned that and... I know. I really do not didn't. set up Pete's punchlines. No, I At least ju- not intentionally. I am just that cheesy. But it is true. I mean, Arini, Arini was not part of the novels, as far as we know. But um, they are kind of hanging themselves a bit. Oh, well, it feels. It's. Uh, I, I, didn't they come back today with the exact same, uh, or yesterday with the exact same proposals that they'd done before, before <sighs> the deadline? It's just ridiculous. Yeah. Fast. Sadly, yes. But uh, alas, alack, films must be talked about, so we can't go on about the uh, political situation in Greece for an hour and a half. No. (laughs) Well, Radio... We've probably got more profound um, commentary than Radio 1 does on the subject. Oh, yes. It's a fat person walking backwards outside your door there, because I just heard the the beep of of a van reversing. I just had to shut the window, I think. I don't know. I actually live... um, be- like behind me is some kind of grain so unless it's some kind of grass cutting device I've got no idea what that was right anyway um, do you want to talk about tennis um, not I, not particularly um, did you catch it's, it's the Zavrinka Gasquet um, uh, no the only thing I saw was um, at the weekend um, and I saw a bit of uh, how bad is the actual show uh, with um, Claire Bowling and McEnroe it's just terrible as a piece of entertainment, I mean, I mean, the well, being... yeah, but what's the alternative? I don't know. Well, the, I mean, they're doing puns in the like, when, <laughs> when you have like the one, like the the two point roundups of all the other matches. They're just doing puns on the players' names. It's just horrendous. God's also, sake. you wonder where your license fee is going. The amount of bloody compilations the BBC put together at the start of the program. Well, not only that, did you appreciate that in the week of Magic Mike XXL, when Federer was playing uh, that Australian lad at the weekend, who <laughs> was basically a lust fest from him with Tail and Pat Cash going, oh my God, have you seen this guy's hips? Was <laughs> <laughs> that Kogios? No, um, uh, Federer was um, playing him, I can't remember his name, just some tall, like six foot five beast of a man. All right. I've missed that one. Mm. I think I was probably seeing Magic Mike. Sam Groth. Sam Groth. Oh, I did see a bit of that. Mm. Big, big, big server. But they, they, for the first out, first set when it was mildly competitive, they were just. It was as if they were just um, uh, s- selling him at an auction for to women. <laughs> the meat market. Yes. <laughs> um, any other ports of call this week? Um, bruh, not really. Just uh, slogging through, trying to, like most people, trying to wait for the summer to start. Okay. Alright, well let's get on to the film news. And there has been a death this week um, in the Douglas family. 
Did you hear about this? No. Diana Douglas has died, um, mother of Michael. Really? Well, he's was... quite old, isn't he? Quite. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think she was 88 or something. Well, he, he's 70-ish, isn't he? Yeah. But she was uh, she was an actress in her own right. Um, uh, in Planes, Trains and Automobiles, among other things. Um, mainly TV actress. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously noteworthy because Michael and Kirk. Yes. Yeah, Legends, yeah obviously. Um, but that's a bit of sad news. And you would expect Kirk to have died first, really. I mean, he's been... He's... Well into his nineties now. He's still alive. He's still, he's still going. It's like Arnie. <laughs> well, that's debatable. After ten he's minutes, he's just been waiting around for thirty years for some people to end up naked on the freeway. I've been waiting years for Jai Courtney to end up naked, naked on the freeway. On the freeway yeah. <laughs> All your life. <laughs> um, but yes, sad news about Diana Douglas. Mm. Next bit of news we have concerns the Venice Film Festival. Uh, they have mm-hmm. announced the opening film for it, mm-hmm. and it is Everest, which is the two and a half hour um, story on Everest. Um, a climbing expedition on Everest is devastated by a severe snowstorm. That is the uh, plot line. Oh, so it's, it's a disaster. It's not um, Hillary intensing then. I think it is. Oh, you think it is? I'd, I, I, well, I'm not sure. I think it's a battle between two camps to get to the top. So I don't know if Hillary and Tenzing had competition. Um, Was well, it like some kind of... Well, between each other. I'm at the top of the rope. No, I'm at the top of the rope. <laughs> so it's like the amazing race or something. Was some kind T- of... touching, touching the void to the teenage years. <laughs> The Tensing Years. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's directed by Baltazar Cormica. Interesting. Who did The Deep and... Um, Contraband. Contraband. Uh, it's written, more worryingly... Jar, Jar, did you do Jar City as well, originally? Anyway, Jar, what's right. that? Um, it's some um, uh, Icelandic or Danish thing. Okay. It's written by a number of people, um, one of whom is Simon Beaufoy. Mm. <laughs> Trepidation. Oh my god. Um, one of which is William Nicholson. <laughs> Sorry, I can't believe that man has a career, let alone an Oscar. Well, there's lots of people uh, who worked on Stuntdog <laughs> Millionaire who should be grateful they've got Oscars, let's be honest. Uh, Anthony Dodd maybe. Mantle, for one. <laughs> God, not, not. I hope whoever did subtitles in that film uh, didn't get them. Great, that was like a schizophrenic gerbil looking around, like mole looking around. <laughs> Where the hell's it now? Where the hell's it now? <laughs> did the guy who did Frida Pinto's hair get one? Just get one for life in general. <laughs> okay, um, and also William Nicholson, uh, one of the writers who wrote, among other things, Shadowlands and. Right. Uh, Nell. Hmm. Gladiator. Nice. So, yeah, so he's of renown, but there are five writers on the list. Mm-hmm. Right, that sounds dodgy. 
Um, uh, acting wise, Jason Clark. We're going to be talking about that later. Yeah. J- well, J- well, yeah, we'll get to that in preconception. <laughs> yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal, Kieran Knightley, Robin yeah. Robin Wright, Sam Worthington, Josh <laughs> Josh Brolin, and Emily <laughs> Watson. That is such a mixed bag. It's a yeah. It's half brilliant, half naff. Yeah, but the thing is, the acting's probably not going to be centre stage in this. Theme for the day. (laughs) In the week where we're doing Comet, Magic Mike and Terminator. (laughs) Um, But is this going the gravity route for Venice? You know, kind of spectacle. Oh, just opening the festival, you mean? (laughs) Yeah, bringing in with a bang kind of thing. Maybe. Maybe, but I mean, I suppose with that there was more prestige behind it. But uh, hmm. okay, um, next bit of news we have is Dustin Hoffman. Um, was interviewed uh, last week, and basically had an entire attack on the uh, Hollywood industry as it stands. Right. He said. Never want to be hypocritical, Mr. Hoffman, but more on that in a second. <laughs> he says, I think right now television is the best that it has ever been, and I think that it's the worst that film has ever been. In the 50 years that I've been doing it, it's the worst. It's hard to believe you can do good work for the little amount of money these days. We did The Graduate, and that film still sustains. It had a wonderful script that they spent... Sorry. That they, <laughs> that they spent... Spent three years on an exceptional director, but it was a small movie, and yet it was 100 days of shooting. So basically, wow. he's saying that the shooting doesn't go on long enough, and mm. the films are terrible. Yeah, um, everything's rushed. Everything about about it is rushed. Is his point? Yeah. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I think it's very difficult to disagree with the man when you look at the overall quality of films over the last five years or so. I mean. Certainly I think, studio films. Yeah, I think we're at, um, it's getting to a tipping point, a saturation point with the, we've talked about this before, with the popular films all being sequels and um, uh, comic book films and um, it's very, it's, I think it's kind of reminiscent of the 50s when the television came in and you saw films go for more exotic locations. They try to give people something in the cinema that they weren't uh, getting uh, readily at home anymore. Yeah. I think maybe that's what we're seeing now. Um, we're seeing studios, when, when uh, films get uploaded all the time, uh, they've got to give people a reason to get into the cinema when it's so readily available now um, for everybody. I mean, it's not like it was 10 years ago when um, you were scrabbling around for r- random stuff online. Now you can... Uh, half stuff's on YouTube. So you think piracy is to blame in part for this? I do. I do, because it means it's kind of like the music industry with uh, iTunes. uh, Now, uh, it's not as if people don't like rock music anymore, but there there haven't been any big bands in Britain for at least ten years. Yeah. And it's because uh, they're not getting signed anymore, frankly, and they're not getting the push from the record companies because it's not worth it anymore for them. But, but at the same time, though, you are, because there are fewer studio films, you are getting a lot of competition among the smaller films. Yeah, I mean, there's, there'll always be an in, independent cinema. 
the yeah. problem is when it when it gets it, you uh, know it might be offering I mean, and that's the same uh, with the music the creativity industry. Uh, I mean it's never been easy to get famous in the music industry they would have been with with mm, and with, you don't get the budgets you don't get the casts that you might have done um, 20 years ago yeah um okay all right so I have a little that was more of a lament than a grumpy old man moment then <laughs> yeah <laughs> Okay, just I thought you are gonna you are gonna skip past this, aren't you? This is despicable. Birthdays today. Oh God, here we go. Well, no, I mean you can talk about Kevin Bacon, Billy Crudup, and uh, Angela Houston if you like, but it's also Lena Endra's birthday today. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, we haven't talked. Uh, thing is, we don't talk about it that much, really. Not really. Just in pass, just in passing, every now and again. Yeah. Um, okay. To Lena Endra, basically, we have talked about the 2000 Cannes Film Festival. Yeah. Do you want to say how old she is? How old? How old is she? Ooh, you caught me out. On are we that fif- one. Are we up to fifty yet? Oh, we're past fifty. Are we? <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're we're past fifty. Full steam ahead. Yeah, and uh, age-appropriate hotness for the win. Uh, Lena Endret is uh, was born in 1955, so she is 60 today. Wow. I know. Um, but 2000 Cannes Film Festival, we talk about Faithless. She's mm. she's just excellent in Faithless. Um, Tour de Force. Wonderful. Um, mm. Absolutely. Oh, very, I mean, it's not really your kind of performance in terms of it's very, very on on everything's on the screen you know it's pouring from her but mm. it's you can't really I, I don't think you can fault any any kind of emotion she does in that it's all very authentic no and it's i think it required um having a director who was capable who was capable of doing a performance like that in order to get it out of her but uh, a quick word about Endra the rest of the time. Uh, she's really, really good and memorable in uh, The Best Intentions and Kristen Lavran's Daughter mm-hmm. in small roles. Um, one of those was Beat August film. The other one was by uh, Liv again. And uh, I suppose most people in this country would know her from the TV versions of Wallander. Yeah, The uh, Girl with the Dragon the, Tattoo. Uh, Erica Berger in the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo trilogy. Mm. But uh, apparently she's got a very good um, uh, stage career going on uh, back home, and uh, very uh, killer cameo in the Master. Yes, yeah, that's probably the most the most high profile film she's been in recently. Mm. 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 Yes, anyone else on yes. the birthdays? Uh, well, Bacon, Angela Houston, and Billy Crudup. Billy Crudup, can I just give a shout out for? Uh, one of the worst British accents I've ever heard in my life in The Good Shepherd. Oh, I don't remember that. Oh, it's bad. I have to say. Mm. Um, right, so basically I had some films from the East End Film Festival to discuss. <clears throat> this is, I mean, I think the the um, the rule for these films is that they have to be set in the East End. Right. Um, but in any case, um, well, most of them do anyway, but in any case, I've seen three this week, 
Um, I don't. I'm not sure any of them will get a release. Hmm. But I'm going to talk about them anyway. First yeah. of them is called Containment, and it's about a guy who wakes up uh, in a you know, block of council flats in East London, and his door's sealed shut. He doesn't have any electricity or water. He can't get out. The windows are sealed. He can't get out. Mm-hmm. And eventually, his neighbours break through his wall and they're in a similar position. Right. So whenever they try and use the phone, they get a message saying, stay in your homes, the situation is under control. They can see out the windows that there are people in um, hazardous biochemical suits um, walking around. But yeah. they, they, I mean, they don't know why that's happening. Eventually, they kind of capture one of them and learn more about what's going on. And it turns out that there's kind of an epidemic in the area and the government is trying to control the situation. But there's some kind of kind of revolution happening from within the flats. Mm. So, so it's kind of interesting. I mean, I think it's really good that they managed to make a film with... This low budget, I mean, we're talking tiny, tiny budget here, uh, engaging as a, essentially as a horror thriller film. Yeah. Uh, really, It's one of these ones that really proves that you don't need money to be, um, to create peril. Mm. And it definitely manages that. And it manages to get across the situation. Um, how somebody in an everyday situation might feel the socio um you know politics of it and how you might have to interact with your neighbors and how how you might think about going about it kind of should we stay should we go um it's it's you know there's a lot of gray areas in that which is good i mean i think the film kills off too many people Hmm. in two flippant ways and it's not a comedy in any way, shape, or form. Mm. So um, um, and I think it's padded out a little bit. Um, but I I would definitely recommend anyone going out to see this film. And I think it's still showing at the festival till next Tuesday. I think so. Right. I would recommend it. Mm. Next we have song uh, song a film called Emily. Uh, that's the letters MLE, right. which stands for My Little I. And it's also the um, alias of the woman in the film. So there's a woman in the film called Julie Robert. She's an actress. She's got red hair. <laughs> no, she's kind of a brunette Lake Bell, I would say. Mm. Very so, similar. So Lake Bell in Manor. <laughs> so Lake Bell, yeah. She's Canadian, but she's moved to London because she's going to be in a vampire film. You know, the vampire film gets cancelled. The funding gets cut. Mm. And she has... And she basically... She runs over this woman. And the woman um, gives her a job spying um, on um, this guy's daughter and trying to work out how she's going to spend her money because she doesn't trust the daughter's boyfriend. Mm. So the daughter's boyfriend's always the one to be distrustful of. 
Absolutely. And he's a yoga instructor. But anyway, um, I digress. It's um, it's just, it's a really quirky film. Um, it's similar to, I would say it's kind of Francis Ha-esque. Um, it's not Francis Ha, hmm. because the woman actually knows what she wants to do. Hmm. But it is about a quirky woman in a big city. And yeah. um, there's some really funny comments about London in it, like she's just been rejected by this agent and she goes outside and in the most unexpected way some random drunk guy comes up to her and says you stupid in whore and it's hilarious because I know somebody who that actually happened to just randomly. who just this tramp just Abused. walked like walked up to a bus stop and called her a whore that's what it's like living in London <laughs> it's just like funny things like that but in general, I mean, it's got some real quirks. Like, the girl is... The woman is just naturally funny. She's got so much personality. She's called Sarah Warren. And she's written and directed and stars in the film. And she's just so likeable. Um, I would say Lake Bell likeable. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, she's very... She's got a lot of humility. And I think the film says a lot about how... Um, you might move somewhere and you might think that everything's going to fall into your lap. Um, it's going to be a Notting Hill situation. It's going to be happily ever after. Um, you're going to live in a, a lovely house, etc. And it's not that way. So it's it's kind of a nice comedy of errors, but um, intelligent with it. And last one is Norfolk is the name of the film and it's about this um, guy with post-traumatic stress disorder and his son who are living in Norfolk and um, the, the dad wants to um, basically he thinks he's still at war and there are these foreigners who are immigrants who've moved in to this shelter nearby and he kind of thinks that he needs to take them out um, and meanwhile, the the lad falls in love with one of the girls at the shelter. Obviously. So it's a drama based on that, and it's got some really interesting visual um, elements to it, but it does feel padded. Even at 80 minutes, it feels really, really padded. Um, and once you get to a revelation near the end, it's there's not as much emotion as it wants you to feel. Right. So, But it's still worth a watch as well. So no bad ones there, but... Um, yeah, equally no masterpieces. Right. Okay, so uh, this week we are doing uh, Comet, Magic Mike, XXL and Terminator Genesis, so Preconception Corner. Uh, what were your preconceptions for Comet? Well, the poster's lovely. <laughs> um, absolutely lovely. Uh, Emmy Rossum I like, based on um, Beautiful Phantom. Creatures and Phantom. Um, Justin Long, I thought he was really good in She's, He's Just Not That Into You. Yeah. But apart from that... Oh, wait, what was the one with the Ari Grainer? Oh, God. Um, yeah. What, the one where he was a gay guy? Yeah, I know. Something um, call, one one call or something? Yeah, I'll get that for a you. A good call? A good call, that's the one. For a good time call. 
Anyway, just <laughs> anyway, yes, he was good in that too. So I'm, I'm not anti Justin Long. Um, mm. I knew they were in it. I knew it was a romance. I didn't know anything more than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So uh, for me, um, I knew I knew I had Justin Long and um, uh, Emmy Rossum. Didn't know anything else about it at all, apart from just the second before when I was choosing what to watch when. It said uh, comedy drama, so I thought, oh, it's comedy, so he's a funny guy. Funny, I'm basing that on uh, Zach and Miriam make a porno, where he uh, oh, yeah. a, a, again plays a, a gay guy. He's hilarious in, in a little cameo in that. That's um, a really funny film. It's it's better than you'd think it would be, actually, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so, I mean, he's just a, he's, he's a guy. I, I just think I just think he's funny. Um, so uh, this being. Well, on the what I saw it as being a, a comedy drama, I thought, okay, that that'll work. Uh, Amy Rossum, nice in Phantom, f- um, nothing really Mystic River, but she was okay. Um, n- nothing negative about her at all for me. Um, so I was going in blindly hopeful. Okay, uh, Magic Mike, you didn't see this. If anybody would like to check out our review of Magic Mike. <laughs> <laughs> they can go all the way back to episode, I think, probably... Four? I think it's, well, it's in the Six. It's in the first five, I think. Yeah. It was... Um, Pete's, <laughs> Pete was not a fan. <laughs> well, we had, a lot of, we had more fun reviewing it than I did watching the film. <laughs> um, but I, I, Although I would have gone to this if anybody would have wanted to go. I would have happily gone because I was So you wouldn't have gone on your own again. <laughs> on opening day. <laughs> no. In your Channing t shirt. <laughs> in your vest. I'm Chan's man. No no in in my best fox catcher uh wrestling singlet. <laughs> Which actually I sleep in, but that's another story. Wow. Well. Mm. Um yeah, so you would have done, but no. Yeah, I, I, I could have been persuaded. <laughs> Isn't that the story of my life? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but um, mm. okay. Did you know anybody who was in it apart from Chan? Um, no, I didn't know if who or if anyone was returning. I assumed that the god awful woman from the first one wouldn't be, um, which would only be a plus. Exactly. Uh, I, God, that she I, was. I mean, I really liked the first one, but she was bloody terrible. She was awful. Yeah. Awful, awful. No, he's dumped her. Don't worry. Uh, or she dumped him. Actually, but it's all right. Whatever. <laughs> what? As if you would. <laughs> um. How about Terminator Genesis? Um. I've you know I've seen all of them. I've seen all the Terminator films. I love the first one. I love the second one. I've got time for the third one. I like the third one. It's funny. I don't. And um, uh, oh, my thing with the third one was they they they, they closed it up perfectly after the second one. Yeah. So I thought, well, I went in thinking, well, how's this even gonna? Make it? They can't just do it, and they just did it so simply. <laughs> they got around it so matter of fact and simply. I couldn't really begrudge it. It was very but, very in keeping with the. The second one as well, given how far after it was made, mm. and she was good. I liked her. She was Dane's, a good villain. Yeah. Oh no, Christar is it Christana Loken? Oh right, okay. I thought yeah. she was a good I, villain. Mm. Uh, the fourth one, I wasn't. I thought it was uh, watchable 
How did but you I even can... watch that? Because it's Worthington, isn't it? I think it was on TV when I was having my food. Uh. <laughs> it's just on in the background. Um, but um, I've completely forgotten what happened in that film. It's I've blanked it from my memory. I can't remember how it ends. No. So, um, but but with this one, uh, I like Jason Clark in uh, Rise of Planet of the Apes. Uh, so he was a plus. Don't know the girl, Jai Courtney. He's mm, he's okay in a couple of things, but he's not really a plus or minus for me. Um, so, but I did have a preconception that um, it wouldn't. It really just isn't Michael Bean. Isn't even the type of bloke that Michael Bean was. So. I was wondering yeah. what, what I was trepidatious, uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal, um, as to how um, he would fit in that role. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I liked the first one. I loved the second one. It's a bona fide classic. And the third one was good. I I mean, I'll I'll say it was good. It, mm. But um, this, uh, I think the elements that made the other ones good are not in this necessarily mm. apart from Schwarzenegger mm. everything else seemed to have been recast um, yeah I don't really have an experience of Amelia Clark and anything I don't watch Game of Thrones no I don't either Jai Courtney is lovely but I mean I wouldn't say that his acting was a draw for me no more his presence I was going to say more um, uh, Google images. Yeah. <laughs> Zoom. <laughs> um, and uh, Jason Clark, I do think, is a good actor. So I was I was going into this expecting not a lot. Hmm. Hmm. It's fair enough. It's fair enough. Right. Um, so, Comet. Uh, I take it this is me. We don't even do the short straw anymore. It's just if it's going to be a train wreck to describe the plot or something, I have to do it. Pretty much. Also, but you do it hilariously most of the time. It's the cross I bear. <laughs> okay. Okay. Don't put, oh, it's not going to be hilarious now you put me on the spot. Well, I'm not right. even sure what the plot is because I have issues with this. But you, okay. you, So you can describe it to me and I'll see if I that's what I gauge from watching it. Okay. Right, Justin Long is uh, playing a guy who has borderline at the very kindest Asperger's syndrome. He's in a queue to uh, watch a meter shower when uh, he uh, strikes up a conversation with with a girl that he likes the look of. She's on a date with a with her jockish boyfriend um, who looks like he's about in his early thirties or forties. Why there why all these people who are in the thirties are going to a stupid uh, <laughs> a meteor, sh- meteor uh, shower at a, a university I don't quite understand um, <laughs> with some teenage uh, overweight girl um, and anyway um, so uh, and while, do, while trying to pick up this girl even though he's a complete loser uh, we're having uh, flashbacks uh, through history it says at the beginning that this is a film set over six years and a couple of parallel dimensions or something uh, vague enough to make it sound as if the writers knew what they were talking about. Um, <laughs> That's what and, confused uh, me. That's what confused me. Yeah. The parallel dimensions. And, uh, and uh, after they'd recast um, Zoe Deschanel 
with uh, Emmy Rossum and uh, taken away the Smiths from the soundtrack and decided to remake 500 Days of Summer. Um, <laughs> he went there. <laughs> Sh- shenanigans into you. He went there. <laughs> I was, well, I didn't know where to hold it in or just chuck it out there straight away. Um. I, okay. Well, I'm going to... It's in, it's difficult because I think this is on the level of um, 500 Days of Summer or possibly better. Mm. But, I mean, I think it's not gunning for comedy as much. Um, and I think it's a lot more emotionally cutting than 500 Days of Summer was. Mm. Um, whilst watching this, oh, I was God. very tempted. I was very tempted to create a new. I actually said that I was going to do it, and I guess by telling you about it, I kind of am doing it. Uh, create a segment on the podcast, uh, which is where uh, normal people's reactions to um, pseudo intellectual art films. Um, the quote with the person that I watched this one is Oh, it's like before sunset, except crap. <laughs> <laughs> you have to tell me but... who that was on the podcast. I think what just... I would say is I think that I think that That was because one, one of the many one of the many moments is when they meet on the train. That's that's where that comment came from. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that if you're fresh off a relationship um, breaker. Yeah, breakup or a tumultuous relationship. I think this is sort of like therapy. Yeah, uh, I don't want to make this like I I'm. I don't want to get into a therapy session with this, but I think a lot <laughs> of this rings true for me, especially near the end. Mm. Well, uh, uh, the comment I, I I said when I was watching it that the, when it get well, okay, okay, I like the beginning of this film. Okay. I'll get that straight away. I think um, with the beginning, um, it's stilted. There's no getting. I don't think it's there's much getting around written. it. The the dialogue's very written. Every single shot visually is uh, meticulously uh, stylized, um, uh, but it's funny. And the the, the uh, but it, but that's what it's got going for it. It is funny with with Justin Long. Um, just uh, analysing everything and uh, being really inappropriate, but it, it, it does work. That whole timeline of it really does work. The, my, my problem is that with the film that is that every other timeline is basically just these two arguing, and they're the two most self-absorbed people in the history of cinema, when they're just uh, over-analysing their own relationship. In uh, uh, At one point, Emmy Rossen actually says to him, I haven't got time for another one of your meta-arguments. I'm thinking, well, what the fuck have I just been watching for the last 90 minutes? <sighs> Well, this is the thing. I felt I felt the same way. It's sort of like when I watched Keep the Lights On, and it was just an endless series of arguments. And I'm just thinking, well, this might actually be what happened, but is watching it entertaining? No. Because when we when Eternal Sunshine, for instance, there were a lot of things like that in Eternal Sunshine, and yet I never felt bored or felt like it was repetitive. Oh, I think this 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 wanted to be its own sunshine at times. I think the prob- that is the problem. One of the problems with this one is that it does recall others. I mean, there's at one point 
a couple of points where he's just blatantly aping one car wide with the framing. Um, Wasn't it lovely though? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking, I just like, oh, yeah. But I do think that um, towards the end, as I was saying, they're more and more self absorbed, blah, 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 blah. It's all not very interesting. It's all just people what, complain. And the, the, there's nothing to get involved with the characters. But when you get to the end, I just thought it was just such male wish fulfillment when it gets to the whole, oh, she thanks him for the relationship. And I'm just thinking, oh my God. Okay, you've been dumped. I get it. You're writing this. I get it. And that's what you wish would have happened. I get it. Uh, But I do think that that there will be some value here for the recently dumped or uh, people uh, who haven't got over someone, certainly. Um, It will ring true. I, I do agree with you on that. Um, I put, the problem is the characterization, and these two are just so annoying. And oh, I think that Justin Long is really good in this. Um, I think I warm to his character. I wouldn't go out with him, but I mm. warm to his I don't know his vitality and the way that he approached it. And I think if anything, the film does well it gets across how easy it is to become obsessed by somebody or a relationship with somebody and then how easy it is to also trivialise it because there's a lot of jokes where he uses humour as a defence mechanism to trivialise their relationship because he's too into it. Yes. Um, and that does... I think he's... I was going to say, I think he's great in the, in the, 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 the segment where they meet. I think he really, really nails that perfectly. And I also think yeah. he's good in uh, the breakup uh, when she's on in the car and he's in New York. Yeah. Uh, I think those, those two are his strongest elements. I suppose the, my problem with some of the others is that the uh, the Paris scene is just uh, really arctic and it wants to be Le Me- the, the middle third of Le Mepre. And like I was saying before, it recalls, uh, this recalls a lot of other films all the way through. Yeah, um, I, th- I think that is the weakest part and you don't really gauge why they've got to that point at all. I, yeah. I don't think that there's something in the middle there that isn't properly addressed. Yeah. But it's like... I do think that it gets... I think that the last scene is devastating and I don't yes. think it's um, really hopeful. I don't think it's really um, giving hope to people who've just been dumped at all. Oh, no, I don't think it's giving la- hope. I think it's, I think it's just that's the, all that the guy can hold on, could hope for at the point that he's at. Yeah, but I think anybody uh, uh, who's been you. dumped <laughs> by anybody or anybody who's mm. you know lost anybody in that way can kind of relate to um, the sense that like kind of it's it's not going to end up that way and also it's like mm. it, it also has helped somebody else in a way I think mm. there is I think there is a sense that people are stepping stones in life and even if it doesn't actively people don't actively um, use people like that mm. That, I don't know. I think it. I think it was good in that way. I just wish that it had a bit more interesting things going on dramatically. Yeah, I think really it's um, Five Hundred Days of Summer meets I Origins uh, with Ooh. the style, and that's the vibe I was getting with it. Don't know why. Um, I was getting a um, Theory of Everything vibe visually. Mm-hmm. But with the least uh, um, interesting parts of both, because at least with uh, 500 Days of Summer tried so hard to be likeable, this 
I don't think try is hard to be likable. I think it tries to be quirky, uh, and there's a difference because w with every other scene being basically them arguing apart from the the first one, uh, there's very little in that, uh, and that's why I didn't get an emotional response at the end because all you've just seen is these two people just yapping away and just think, for goodness sake, shut up. But would you have liked more characters then around them? Poof. I'd I'd have liked I'd, I'd like a little bit of variety. At least with 500 Days of Summer, you had a little bit of everything. I mean, I I, I don't dislike the film. I actually think it's quite good. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, 500 uh, Days of Summer is very try-hard, though. Let's yeah, be honest. Yeah, it, 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 does, it does really want to be liked. Um, uh, but the, at least you've got every single aspect of that relationship which he's just pouring all over, and that's the whole point of the film. Of course, the end's terrible, but fine. Okay, fine, it's got a cheesy end, whatever. But um, there's some, uh, with this, apart from the, you've just there's no variety in the rest. It's all I would break it with either with either with either broken up and we're meeting again and we're all depressed, or we're breaking up because we're all depressed and that's it. And the uh, the way that they try and tie everything together into what you've been watching at the end, uh, I just thought was eye rolling. And by the end, the, the this is worse than Dawson's Creek. For the ridiculousness of the dialogue, just being completely unbelievable. I mean, who talks like these people, really? I mean, it's it's beyond fifteen-year-olds talking like they're psychology students. There was, this is just there another was, um, level. There was a line: "Sartre was right, hell is other people." <laughs> I mean, what? I mean, just I mean, just I did God look bless that you. up though. I was like, oh, I didn't know <laughs> that. But, <laughs> This, there is a nice one that's like, kind of like, isn't it weird that this will all be an old memory? And I was like, okay, it's cheesy, but it's kind of true. It's kind mm. of like where you think, like, oh, this will just be, like, forgotten about. The whole final, uh, the whole final one, uh, where, he, where he goes and sees her for the last time, it was just, the the it, the, the words that were coming out, it was just, I just the only, only thing I could do was laugh at it. Oh, dear. Hmm. I w wasn't sure. I I'm not sure about the editing. I wasn't sure what order everything was in. Oh, it's a, it's a hot mess. Because I thought it was. I thought that um the last um the last one was where they were where she was singing Roxette. I thought that was the last point in time. No, it's the uh, it's the. But it was the uh, what is the white room? Yeah. Just because they seem to be so, I don't know, because you get to this, the they broke, they break up and then they get back together, but it's a little bit unclear as to which points at the beginning, which points the second time, for me. I was, I was thinking at the beginning, it's probably going to be a gimmick, uh, because there's not. Once I saw what they were doing, I thought this is probably going to be a gimmick because there isn't much of a dramatic arc and that's pretty they do have a have a reason for it uh in inverted commas with, with with the final scene and what um long uh long's characters what's happened to long's character and it reflects the film um okay fine but it's a stretch and i don't care by that point i thought this was quite good overall um, i knew it what i've just won a bet why <laughs> just won a bet why? <laughs> I was like, I bet Cal. It's like that's the worst film I've ever seen in my life. 
Who said that? <laughs> that was the person I saw this with. Really? And I said, I, I, I said, I bet Cal will like it. And uh, it's like, oh god, no, he can't. He will. Trust me, he will. It's because I like the it. Origins be- vibe. I like it I because like it. I like it because it has the sentiments right, and even though it's pretentious and it undeniably, I thought you liked the visuals. It the visuals are great. Undeniably, mm. it's pretentious. Pretentious. Oh no, that that is. It, I mean, there's no uh, no getting around it. But if dictionary you, definition. But let. But if you have you not said anything to a girl and you thought, okay, that sounds like the douchiest thing ever. Yeah, but that's every single thing that he comes out with. It's not I mean, every single thing. Well, no, because in at least in the beginning, what was the, what was the line about the emotional holocaust of the parents? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Where did that go? I mean, that was that introduction to the character was good, but when you actually put them in a relationship where they're just arguing about their relationship, it just gets so self-aware and. Um, it's it's brave of it to go the whole. We're not going to have any other characters. Let's just focus on the res- this relationship. But it does feel bogged down in the middle a lot. So, I don't, but I do, I did like the film. I do think it has emotional power, um, mm. and I did think Justin Long was really good. So I give it a B minus. Mm. I'm gonna be uh, last hour is a one star film. First um, half an hour is pretty decent. So. I'm going to give it two stars overall, but a low two stars because I really, really thought it was just a laughable way in. So, three out of ten. Okay. Alright. Um. Right, so, tell me about Channing Tatum's Rock Hard Pecs. Well, as you asked, <laughs> Magic Mike XXL takes place three years after Magic Mike. After we reviewed Magic Mike, um, Alex Pettifer is nowhere to be seen. Really? Matthew McConaughey has fled to South America. <laughs> I'm not joking. Channing Tatum is now running his own dispatch business, of which is very vague. Um, like male escorts? No, no. It's boring. <laughs> No, more like FedEx, I think. Oh, okay. Um, He's gone straight. <laughs> well, <laughs> hold on. The rest of um, the Kings of Tampa, who are the stripping gang from the first film, are um, who are Joe Manginello, Kevin Nash, Kevin Nash, Adam Rodriguez, <laughs> former former WCW World Heavyweight Champion Kevin Nash. <laughs> <laughs> the pinnacle has arrived. Diesel. Um, plus uh, uh, Adam Rodriguez, a new addition, Matt Bomer. Yeah. Mm. Um, so they're making one last hurrah and they're going to strut their stuff at the strippers convention in Los Angeles. They or Charlie Charlie Sheen's house. <laughs> <laughs> they get Tatum to meet them by telling him that Matthew McConaughey has died. Right. Which he hasn't. Right. Um, he, uh, Channing Tatum declines, but he ends up in his workshop and uh, he is one of the songs that they used to perform and changes his mind and gets a taste yeah. of the um, 
it's a taste of the business again. And so he joins them and they embark on a road trip to Myrtle Beach. Yay, that's where my aunt lives. <laughs> really? Yes. But it's like it's also where, um, isn't it, where uh, Spring Breakers is set. It's basically mm. where people go on Spring Break when they can't afford to go to Miami. Yeah, everyone goes out to get pissed and yeah. look at shirtless men. Yeah. Google image. Mm. Um, so along the way, though, I mean, this mm. is basically the road trip. So along the way, they encounter Jada Pinkett Smith. I just saw that in the cast list and thought, what? As an MC of an African-American stripping parlour. Um, right. And Andy McDowell as yeah. a Texan millionaire who basically gives them, sleeps with one of them, gives them the car and basically pays for them to go on the rest of the trip. Oh, God. What about Elizabeth Banks? She is the um, promoter of the stripping convention. Who has, give, a, sorry. who has a lesbian history with Jada Pinkett Smith. That's hilarious. So there's random things, but I mean, I do think McDowell, McDowell uh, Andy McDowell and Jada Pinkett Smith are so fun in this. And it's great to see two 40 plus actresses pretty much past it in Hollywood, Hollywood terms, you know. Yeah. Some might say the best days are behind them. It's good to see them cast in this film. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty much um, typical of how the film treats women in general. Because this is a real plus for the film, whereas the first one was less of a plus. Mm-hmm. Is that um, the attitudes towards women in general is really good. And the film is made for women. And it's really... You know how you get films that are about um, romance, but they're from the male perspective? Yeah, yeah. And you get the men having sex with people, and it's sort of like the women come and go, but the the women have an impact, and they have personalities, but they come and go. Mm. Whereas, I mean, the level in this... You're talking about, like, six guys, buff guys... And there is very little mentioned about them sleeping with women and using them and tossing them aside or anything like that. Mm. It's very, very, this is for the women. We're providing an entertainment. Um, The women in the film are predominantly strong, independent women um, who just want to have a good time. Mm. And this is, you know, this is a real kind of, it's great to see a film made um, and kind of, you know, a big kind of mainstream film made. Um, do, you think that's they, they, do you think that's because they know it's aimed at women? To an extent, yeah. But, I, you know, at the same time, they've spent they've only spent $15 million on this. Channing Tatum is basically playing himself 15 years ago. Yeah. And he knows exactly... What I think that Channing Tatum has a positive impact on the script of this because he knows what these women are like because he's met enough of them. Yeah. And yeah. I think that the general positivity and the progressiveness in that way probably comes from him. Um. But it's I mean it's just like this this bits they go to a gay bar. There's um. Channing jokes about his um inner drag queen being called <laughs> Clitoria Labia. 
God. <laughs> it's very, like, you know, homoerotic in certain ways, which you wouldn't expect. Hmm. Um, but, I mean... This... What's the direction like? Because I just looked at mm. the, uh, the guy, Gregory Jacobs, and he did the US remake of Not, uh, Not in Queens with uh, John C. Riley. Oh, wow. Which was, which was decent, but um, obviously when you're remaking something, it kind of... Well, I haven't seen the original, but I've heard a lot because I used to live with an Argentinian girl and she said that was amazing. What, the remake or the original? The original. Oh, the original's really good. Mm. Really good. Uh, the, the the remake's got Diego Luna and John C. Riley, and it's decent. But uh... Is that Criminal? Yes. It's, it's Criminal that they made it, and that's the title of the film. Boom. Um... <laughs> uh... <laughs> The direction, I'd say the direction is not... Competent. What, yeah. Yeah. It's, I think Soderbergh's obviously seen s- stuff of this. I don't think he's like completely turned his back on this, you know. Mm. But um, I think it's his assistant director who's directed it. Right. Can I just also say that um, uh, post-conception for Comet was reeked before I even looked at IMDb. Reeked of a debut. Yeah, yeah. Although it's good that original films can get debuts, get <laughs> releases. But yeah, no, definitely. I think it's it reeked of a debut watching it too. Hello. Hi, I said it, I think it yeah. reeked to the debut watching it too. Right, yeah. Mm. Okay, um, so your grade for Magic Mike XXL? My grade, um, just quickly, I think the structure is just a little bit oh, too, too ramshackle. And um, it's sort of like, it's not as um, structured as the first one, but it is really funny. And it's a really, really good time, so I'm going to give it a B. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. So, film of the week. Obs. T- Terminator Genesis. Uh, Terminator Genesis uh, doesn't pick off where any of the others left off. It starts just before uh, the first one, basically. As we see uh, John Connor in the future giving a rabble-rousing speech that is about as inspiring as something that would come out of Paul Lambert's mouth. Uh, when trying to get Villa out of a relegation dogfight. How did that go, boys? Um, <laughs> intercut in the least silence of the Lambs of Ways. Oh, no. With Jai Courtney uh, being sent back in time in, in the least uh, Michael J. Fox of Ways. We'll get onto that later. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so... The plot is, with the characters, we, we see it being set up that this is what's happening uh, to set up the uh, things that happened in the first uh, Terminator film. But when uh, Jai Courtney's uh, uh, car race gets... Yeah, that was uh, oh, surprisingly uh, asymmetrical. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when uh, he gets back there, he's expecting it to be like we would expect the first one to be, but... Uh, Sarah Connor uh, has, uh, rescues him. She knows he's cut. She knows he's coming, and she has uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh, Terminator in tow. Uh, he's been with her since she was nine years old. So, oh, no. uh, 
<laughs> Whereas in the previous films, the future uh, is not set. Uh, the past has been reset, and uh, they've, they've, they're in a, uh, they've got different timelines to go through now. So all bets and um, all coherence uh, to the plot is off. The future has been set, the past has been reset, and I've been upset. Yeah. Because this was dreadful. And really? Well, okay, it's not... Well, I don't know. This is the thing I don't know. Convince put it's, a case. Okay. It's, no, I, I don't think it's one star. I think it's a mm. two star. Right. Just get that off the bat. Yeah. But... I it's think so derivative, the first half hour. The problem is, as I texted you, the problem is they give mm. you a 90-second recap on everything from the first two films and then expect you, really if you count the rest of the film, they expect you to have just seen the first two films and know everything about it because then they go on. It's so convoluted. I cannot believe how convoluted this is. But not only that, they they give a recap of the first two films and then go on to cherry-pick all the scenes, uh, iconic scenes, from those uh, uh, first couple of films. So... Almost immediately, you get a uh, the Terminator Two uh, uh, Robert Patrick yeah, uh, yeah, type, yeah. type scenes, and then you're immediately ushered into the end of uh, the uh, where, where Arnie's doing uh, his his thing as well, and you see, and they're blowing off, and they're blowing off the uh, uh, they're melting it down. They're doing all this stuff. It's it's all the scenes, uh, the climactic scenes from the first couple of films. And it's so derivative. It's almost offensive. They're just there's nothing original about it. They're stealing all the same lines. It's literally like a checkbox you know, of yeah. references to the previous two films. And people have criticised Jurassic World. I mean, oh. Jurassic World does it so much better than this. Oh no, no, that that's fine because that just harks back to it. What this yeah. does is completely copy the same lines and the same action scene, same type of action in the scenes, it's, word for word, in a new way. I mean, I know that it, they do this, it's, it's more overall for Jurassic World, but in terms of the general, the, the action, type of action scene and the type of plot, but this is absolutely the same. It's almost as if people don't know how to make films anymore. It's like, yes. we just watch this, oh, we need something on five and a half minutes. We need an, in, you know, we need a thirty-second scene of people interacting, you know, mm. relating to each other. It's yeah. all mechanical, and it's got no soul, and yes, the actual mechanics are lost. I'm absolutely at a loss as to what they're trying to achieve. They want to save the world, but how do they save the world? And they've got John uh, Connor saying, "It's okay if I try and kill you." How? Why? How? How is it okay? You won't exist. Regardless of what your motivation is, you will not exist, son. <laughs> well, this is one thing Back to the Future did well, is to not overcomplicate things. And, you know, even as a kid, you understood mm. Back to the Future and the yes. way that what... you know. I mean, what even ha- though, even though, really, <laughs> I remember having this... Uh, I listening pick to holes like, anything. No, 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 but I remember listening to a geeky conversation um, uh, over, like, a Sunday morning, like, lunch... Um, where it was saying that it's not actually they are actually different uh, dimensions or something like that that once you go back you just start into a different a different time it's all it's not the same you're not going back to the same place because you've changed it uh, but as a kid you don't need to think about it in those terms it doesn't matter at all and Red Dwarf 
has got very very convoluted um, with it with its uh, especially in the books of its of its uh, timelines and alternate rea- alternate realities and all that sort of stuff. But this just doesn't even make sense when you've got a bloke who's trying to kill um, his mother and his father uh, for whatever reason. He won't exist. It doesn't make any sense. Well, they do say that during the film. Yeah, it is. No. It's. Uh, I mean. Also, part of the appeal of the second Terminator was Linda Hamilton. Oh yeah. This, and this, um, yeah. And the fact that she, the determination of this mother, to protect the savior that she's created, mm. and that belief. By what they do in in this installment, that belief is dismantled. You don't get any um, sense of that having faded, any trauma to that character, any. It's all gone. It's all, it's all lost in the ether. It's, it's she's completely gone. And what I was thinking as a criticism, well, this girl is just absolutely nothing like the character that you saw in the film. I mean, never mind Linda Hamilton's performance level, especially in the second. But nothing like the character. And I suddenly realised, well, they can get away with that by just saying, you're now in a different um, uh, timeline. Hmm. So she says she says she's had a different upbringing, she's in a different place, so she's a different person. But they're still trying to suggest that they're going to... Um, the same sperm's going to make it. <laughs> oh, God. Podcast title. <laughs> it's just... I mean, what do you think about the effects? And, and not what that do you good. Think, what do you think? No, this is the thing. The, the Terminator 2, I was not a teenager, <laughs> but I was getting there when, when Terminator 2 came out. Mm. And I wasn't allowed to watch it because I wasn't anywhere near old enough. But the, the hype on Terminator 2 was immense. And it was all around the special effects and the budget and it's kind of the only it's kind of like people were talking about Avatar just because it was in 3D and the budget but it was more than that it was way more than that it's because it was basically saying you will never have seen anything like this it's it was uh, it was on like, the news you just turn on the news and they'd, they'd be doing uh, specials on it uh, because of how much it, uh, because of uh, the, the level of hype was unbelievable and when you went and saw it it paid off because it was a vis- complete visual wow and it still stands up now Whereas this, it it's not a visual wow. No. It's just the same stuff you've seen 15, 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Same stuff. Yeah. And um, It's turgid. It doesn't look real. I mean, when Arnie's fighting himself, it just doesn't look real, remotely. And uh, the general special effect, I mean, what, I don't know what the budget on this bad boy is, but I imagine most of it's going on Arnie's, Arnie's salary. Well... They don't use him at all. He's barely in it. No. Really? I mean, yeah. what, has he got about 20 lines about it? Well, well, you could say that about the first one, but yeah, but presence-wise, he's hardly in it. I mean, that was the probably why the second one was so good, because of the, the all the different uh, relationship dynamics. Whereas in here, the relationship between uh, Kyle, uh, Kyle Reese and Sarah is really not... not it's not it's not bad, but it's not strong. I think and, also... And that's, and that's the best part of it. You also had the setting as well. I remember Terminator 2 started in the city and then they, mm. they had to go into the desert. and mm. You know, it felt like a real journey. And this, it's just people in rooms kind of deciding what to do. Yeah. But at the end, I mean, James Cameron has come out and said that this is the official third Terminator. Mm. Not Rise of the Machines or Salvation. 
Mm, it's because it just it, well, basically have you heard the, the piece of trivia on this that they they've already greenlit even though it hasn't done that well they've uh, greenlit two sequels because in in four years Cameron gets the rights. Mm. But he's not going to direct them. Well, but at least they have a better idea of what to do with them. <laughs> mm. They'll they'll have uh, they'll have wrecked it by then, surely. Well, this is, I think this has done too badly, honestly. Mm. Um, I mean, I think I would say the film does try um, for me. And I even though it's it sort of twists itself into knots, you know, plot wise, mm. but it's not as if it just lays down and, ex, you know, expect people to just come and see it and accept the crap. I mm. do think it does try and emulate um, the gravitas of the first two you know um, but how far does that go if you haven't got the, the talent on board to achieve it mm. Mm. and uh, when you see uh, uh, looked after the fact post conceptually directed it and it's just a lot of TV a lot of um, respected TV but still it's just a lot of TV and I think you can really tell that they just wanted um, an inexpensive, steady hand just to professionally get it done. There's no uh, real artfulness with this at all. No. I'm going to give this a um, fairly generous C-. minus. Yeah, I, do, I don't know if it was if I'm offended by the hackness of it all mm. or if I just think it was perfectly watchable. Uh, uh, but completely underwhelming. So, I think I'll be nice and give it. I don't like this one. A low three stars, five out of ten. But it's impossible to care, and I'll have forgotten about this by tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, Shag Mario Kill. Right. Well. Oof. <laughs> this is hard. Obviously. Well. Is it? What, you're going to kill Magic Mike? Well, I'd shag Magic Mike. <laughs> because I haven't seen it, which is always the rule. Um, but then, yeah, I would watch. Terminator would be an easier watch. That's the only reason. I think if it was the, if it was the other way around and I was marrying Magic Mike, I'd probably be tempted to shag Comet and kill Terminator. Just because I don't think it has much of a reason to exist. But given the choice of watching them every week for the rest of my life, I'd definitely watch Terminator rather than Comet. I'd be too annoyed with, to spend every week with those characters. That makes sense to me because I wouldn't watch Comet. I would shag Comet, watch uh, Marry Magic Mike, and kill the time there. Yeah. Mm. Um, the position. <clears throat> um, I think with um, Comet, we're going to have a sort of a Saldana situation with. Um, oh, was it that bad? With Emmy Rossum, just because, I mean, especially the voice. I mean, she just makes herself so unattractive with the voice. Um, she hasn't aged in 10 years, though. No, not at all. No, and then Terminator Genesis. Um, uh, nobody really. So uh, easy week for uh, Imogen uh, first. Gold. Okay. Um. Mm. <laughs> on the other hand. Nah. Great. Comet. Um. Justin Long is a no with a hint of a bell boost. Nah. Um. The guy in the line. <laughs> is a no, but better than Justin Long. Obviously. Which was the whole point. Yes. Um, Magic Mike. 
Channing Tatum is a gnome. <gasps> oh, we're we'll up against Garrett though. Joe Manganiello is a yes. Mm. Obvs. <laughs> oh, Sofia Vergara's better half, should I say? <laughs> um, uh, Matt Bomer is lovely, but no. Um, Adam Rodriguez is lovely, but no. Everyone else, I'm going to be kind to Garrett and say no. Mm. But there is a lot of people, there's a lot of bodies in there. Mm. Um, Terminator Genesis, Jai Courtney's yes. Obviously. Um, Jason Clark said do. Mm-hmm. And there's nobody else. So it's a 3.0 on the gauge for Garrett. It's not too bad considering. Yeah, could the, have been the, worse. The potential uh, landmine field nightmare. Okay, so next week um, we have more from the East End Film Festival for me. Mm. We have Love and Mercy. Have you seen the trailer for this? No, I don't think so. This is the Beach Boys biopic. No, I haven't. About (laughs) Brian Wilson. Um, Which (laughs) Brian Wilson is uh, played by two people. Good. The older of which is John Cusack, what? and the younger of which is Paul Dano. Oh my god, I've never seen this film. Um, but I will see this film. Mm, it also has Elizabeth Banks in it. Um, mm. Yeah. We also have Song of the Sea next week, which is it's from the Bill. Secret of Kells director. Yes, yes, yes. I'll try and find that. We have The Choir with Dustin Hoffman. We'll see it. We'll see if that's one of the highlights of the year, given Dustin Hoffman's comments. Ted 2. We have Ted 2. I'm guessing that's a no. No. Yeah, no. And I might get around to Amy, which I couldn't see this week. Yeah, well, I think it's Song of the Sea for me, and then I'm going to be struggling. Um, the Choir yeah. is, if you want to fork out a tenor, The Choir is online. Right. Um, Love and Mercy might be at Cineworld, but <laughs> that sounds like a no. Oh, it is in City World, uh, but it is a life. So we'll see what what's going on next week. I will watch something, I promise. <laughs> okay. Mm. Um, do you have a jam? Oh, uh, wait, hold on, I haven't said our website. We have mm. a website, moveforpodcast.com. We're on Twitter at Move for Podcast, Facebook in the Move for Podcast, iTunes. Mm. Nothing's speaking to my jam. I probably do, but can't can't do one in my head. Okay, my jam is the Blade by Ashley Munro. Good stuff. Right, so that is it. Mercifully, it's over <laughs> for another week. Uh, well, I was actually talking about um, Terminator, but uh, Terminator, the the franchise, but. <laughs>
everything in this world.